There are a lot of ways to say quit. Stop. Cease and desist. Retreat. Run away. Give up. Surrender. While quitting usually has negative connotations, it's often what we quit and who we quit that serves as the margin of victory or defeat. It's knowing when to say no to things that can save us the most. Competing with culture, yelling at loved ones, lying to your friends, feeding your addictions, sinking further into debt and clinging to bitterness. None of these things are serving you or the people you care about the most. So what's stopping you from saying, I quit to things that can destroy you and your loved ones? In this series at AC, we will explore how to say, I quit and cast off the burdens that are holding you back from living your best life in Christ. All right. Well, I've had time restraints on me all day today, and now I don't. And I'm ready to preach one more time. So just buckle up. I'm just telling you, I want to welcome those of you who join us online. If you're tuning in today, thanks for being a part of it. We're wrapping up our I Quit series today. Uh, hard to believe uh, here we are. Easter uh, weekend is next week. Uh, we're excited about that. We've got five services planned. It's going to be a great weekend. You definitely want to be here for that. And then the following uh, week, we're going to start a new series called Hot Mess that will lead us uh, into summer. Uh, and then we'll be in summer. Just a few short weeks from now, we'll be in summer. Uh, statistically, our church uh, drops uh, about 20 to 30 percent in our attendance as soon as school gets out. And uh, in the light of that and just kind of the trend of our culture, I really believe today's message uh, will challenge some of you. So just get ready. Uh, it's going to challenge you, but I believe in a good way. Uh, when God the enemy comes to condemn, okay, to, to, to put shame and guilt on us. If you ever feel that way, that is not of God, okay? But the, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us, to challenge us, to move us from where we are to where God wants us to be. And I believe today's message in all services has been one that's challenging, that's convicting. But I believe if applied to our life, that this literally could be the day that you look back on and say, that was the moment for me. That was when it changed for my marriage. That was when it changed for my perspective. That was when it changed for my kids. It's when it changed for my family, that I really believe that today can have that kind of power, that if you make a decision today to act upon God's word in your heart, that it really will bring fruit in your life that will be life-changing. And just a few weeks ago, uh, I ran into somebody at the store, and as our church has begun to grow, that's one of the things. I remember early on, someone told me, you know, enjoy this season of your church. I know you've got big vision, and God wants to do great things, but, man, those early days were so fun when there was 100 people in the room, and I knew everybody, and, and I could tell, like, when they weren't here, their seat was empty, because that was their seat, you know what I mean? And, and I just knew people, and so I would, I'd get to know names. I knew kids' names, and now our church has grown to a place where I don't know many of you. I don't know your name, and maybe you've told me, and I forget, and I I don't know your kids' names, but, but there's times where I'm out in, in, in the store, and I'll see somebody, and they look at you like, I know you, and I look at them like, I don't know if I know you, but you're looking at me like you know me, and so, because uh, you see me, but I don't always see you, and so it, there's kind of this awkwardness that can be there sometimes, and so I don't want to be the rude pastor that just ignores people, and so I'll see somebody, and you know, and they'll, they'll look at me like that, and I'll just kind of go, like, hey, how you doing, and they'll be, they'll be like, Hey, like, what are you looking at me like that for? And it's like, oh, maybe I knew you from the gym. I don't know. But there was a few weeks ago, like, I saw that, had that awkward moment, and, and just let it pass. And then we, we went around again, and, and sure enough, two, three hours later, this guy finally goes, I know you from somewhere. And I go, oh, yeah. I go, I was like, yeah. I was like, uh, do, you, do you work out at MC Fitness here in town? He's like, nope, nope, that's not it. He goes, I never forget a face. I go, oh, yeah, yeah. 
I go, well, I do, I do lead a church in town. Oh, what's the name of the church? Adventure Church. I go to your church. <laughs> I said, you do? I said, that's wonderful. It's great. He goes, well, I, I mean, I haven't been since Christmas, but, but I go. But when I go, I go to your church. I said, well, I'm there every Sunday. I'd be happy to see you, you know, come, come back sometime, you know. And today I want to challenge you with this thought. I want you to quit going to church. I want you to quit doing that. In our culture, especially in our area, the more uh, affluent the area is, the more options people have. We have people in our church who own a lake home. So when it gets warm, they go to the lake. They say goodbye, and they say, we'll see you in September, Pastor. And I say, enjoy the lake, right? There's people in our church who, there's, because of the, the where they're at, they have flexibility, and their kids are on traveling teams, and they can afford to put their kids in competitive sports and soccer and gymnastics and uh, baseball. And So there's options, and the more options you have and the more things you have to do, the more time, your time becomes more divided and and. Today, I want to challenge you on this topic because what's happening and what I'm seeing and the trend that I'm seeing, and I really feel like God has given me this message for this season of our church, is that we can begin to see people who allow that to dictate their involvement in the things of God. That church just becomes another option. Church just becomes another thing that we do in a list of many others, and depending on the day and the priority and what's going on in the season, and if it's warm, or if it's raining, if it's not, if it, church just becomes the thing that we go to when we can, when we can fit it in. And today I want to tell you that God's calling for your life was never just going to church. God has a greater plan for you. He wants you to be like his son, Jesus. He wants you to be a Christ follower, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. He wants you to be spiritually strong and thriving in your life. He wants you to have a life that is fulfilling. He wants your life to make an impact for his kingdom. He wants to use you to make a difference in this world. God's plan was never for you to go to church, but God's plan was for you to be planted in his house. So today I want to tell you, quit going to church and get planted in God's house, which is the local church. In Psalm 92, 12 through 15, the psalmist writes these words. He says, the righteous will flourish. Look at your neighbor and say, flourish. There's something about that word, right? It has a ring to it. Flourish. What does that word mean? If you look it up in Webster's dictionary, I thought, I'm going to see what this really, what it, what it means here. And it says, to grow or to develop in a healthy or vigorous way. The result of being planted, particularly in a favorable environment. So he says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Any old people in here saying, amen. I receive that word. I want to bear fruit in my later years says they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. God's plan for you is to flourish, to be planted in his house, growing spiritually, a strong faith, fulfilled in your marriage, a healthy family with kids who love God, 
pursuing the things of God, the will of God for their life, a long and fruitful life that in every season of life you are bearing fruit, you're successful, you're growing, you're prospering, there's increase to your life. It's the plan of God. And he says if you want to flourish, you've got to plant your life into the house of God. He uses two trees to kind of illustrate this point. There's a palm tree and the cedar tree. And the cedar, we know from, from just even today, is still used. It's a very strong wood. It was used to build the temple. It was durable. It was attractive to the eye. There was a, an aroma that was to that wood that you could smell it. They built cedar chests. There was just something about that type of wood. And that God wants you to be planted like a cedar where your life is durable. Where there's some strength to, to your life. There's, there's some strength to your faith. That there's an attractiveness about your life. That people go, I want what they have. That there's an aroma. That no matter where you go, people can sense that God is with you. And he says there's the palm branch. Which is a symbol of triumph and victory. The Olympic Games, when they first started, the Romans would, would, would kind of give the, the trophy, if you will, would be palm branches, which, which signified there was a symbol of triumph and victory. And then here we are on this Palm Sunday, as we enter into Passion Week, where Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was on his way to give his life to prove that he will reign victorious forever, and they laid palm branches along his path as he made his way to die on the cross. Both of those trees are evergreens. They thrive in every season. They produce fruit year-round. They are flourishing. And God says, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for your life. Unfortunately, so many people don't experience these good things. It's the, the gentleman I ran to in Kroger. Mean well, sure they believe in God, But are they planted in God's house? Are they flourishing in their life? And instead of seeing people flourishing in our church, I oftentimes find people. You know, we we have anywhere between 650, 700 people on a Sunday. But there's probably about 1,500 people that would say, this is where I go to church, according to our records. But the average person in our culture goes to church once or twice a month. And unfortunately, because of that, because people aren't planted in the house of God, instead of flourishing, they're spiritually dry. Instead of thriving, they're emotionally withering. Instead of being connected relationally, they're relationally barren in their life. Instead of seeing the prosperity of God, they're financially stressed. Instead of being fulfilled, they're still searching for something that matters. Searching for some kind of significance for their life. And what most people don't realize is, is that your life is a seed. And a seed must be planted in order for it to grow. Every seed has enormous potential. Every seed has the the capacity to grow and to flourish and, and to multiply and to bear fruit. But in order for a seed to bear fruit, a seed must be planted. And a seed that's not planted is unfruitful, it's dormant, it's unproductive, and will remain barren. You see, a seed can only grow. The only way it can grow is if it's planted. In Matthew 13, Jesus is telling a parable using a similar illustration. And he tells the story of a farmer who throws seed and some of it lands on a path and the birds got it before it could get into the soil. And then he said there was another area where they threw seed and it was rocky and it was shallow. There wasn't a lot of depth to the soil. And so when it began to grow, the sun burned it up. Then he said another seed was tossed among the thorns and the weeds and it choked out the nutrients of the soil 
and killed the plant. Then he said, and then there's some good soil. Seed that fell on good soil. Seed that fell on a heart that was ready to receive. And I pray that that's what your heart is this morning. That the word of God can fall into a heart that's ready to produce fruit. And it says, and when it did, it reaped a huge harvest. And it says, the word of God, the things of God, will fall on these things. And he said, man, blessed are the ones where it falls. And the, the seed is, is sown into our hearts. And we have a choice of what we will do with our life. Your life is a seed, and where you choose to plant it is totally up to you. It's your decision. I can't make you plant it. God can't make you plant it anywhere. He wants you to plant it into him, into the things of God, into the house of God. But it's your choice. But don't don't be confused. You will plant your life somewhere. If it's not the house of God and the things of God, it'll be your career. You'll plant your life and invest your best into your career. Maybe it's not your career. Maybe it's relationships. and You give your best to relationships and you invest those things and you plant your life into a relationship. Some of you, today, you're planting your life into your kids' sporting activities. And I know that's hard to hear. It's just the reality of our culture. You get to choose what you do. You get to choose what you want for your kids. Listen, I'm not saying I'm better than you. My kids are in the same predicament. Last fall, we, we put Maddox into flag football, and it was on Sundays. And the first game wasn't until 1. But Jess has a calling here just like I do. And it was pulling her out of this service, and she wasn't able to be here. And we were rushing over there and rushing. And every day just felt rushed every week that he had a game. And so we had to say, Maddox, I'm sorry, but you can't play flag football anymore. My daughter is in gymnastics. She's actually pretty good. And I'm not just one of those parents that's saying that. She's actually pretty good. I'll pull up on the stage, show you some stuff. Like, she's pretty good. Coaches have said, like, hey, if she got into competitive gymnastics, I really think she could excel, that like she could succeed. But competitive gymnastics would, would cause my wife and my daughter to be away many weekends a year. And we're not going to split and divide our family. So I have to look at my kids and go, I know what my calling is, and I know what God's calling is for our family. And if that pulls you out of the house of God or pulls our family out of the house of God, I know that that's not right for us. And I'm not saying that's you. I'm not saying that's you. I'm saying this is me. But we had to make a decision that we're not going to invest our life and plant our life into those different things. That we had to make a choice, and your life is full of choices, and, and you have choices. Every Sunday, what are you going to do? How are you going to plant your life? What are you going to do? The choice is up to you, but I'm telling you, according to this scripture, you can plant your life into good soil, or you can plant your life into bad soil. You can plant your life into things that will produce fruit in every season, that will allow your life to make a difference for the things of God, or you can plant it somewhere else. You see, the soil is just as important as the seed. You can have all the potential in the world, all the gifting, all the calling, all the capacity in the world. But where are you choosing to plant your life? I'm telling you, God has more for you. One seed planted in good soil multiplies. It can produce many crops. It can bless many people when planted in the right soil. And let me tell you this, going to church is not the same as being planted. Lots of people go to Adventure Church. About half of those people I would say, are planted in this house. And I believe God has more for you. You see, going to church is just like you go to anything else. You go when it's convenient. You go when conditions are favorable. Just like you'd go to the movies. You go to the outlet mall. I gotta say that many of you probably weren't tempted to go to the outlet mall this morning. 
because the conditions weren't favorable for that kind of decision. And church in our culture becomes a choice, and if, and if the conditions aren't favorable, and if the environment's not ready, right, we, we, we make a choice and we, go, we, we, we just don't go. It's a convenience. When it fits, we do it. If it doesn't, we don't. Planted people never say that. Planted people understand this principle, that our lives are planted into the house of God. There's never a discussion of whether we will go to church. Is tomorrow, do you want to go to church? Should we go to church, right? No, that's not a destination in which we attend. It is our life. This is where we have planted our life. This isn't a negotiable for my family. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. We will be in the house of God. We will worship together. We will be strengthened together. The church isn't places we go. It's not a destination. It's not something we do. It's not a building. It is people. We are the church. So we don't go to church. We are his church. We understand the true meaning of church in the Greek is ekklesia, which means to be assembled together and called out for a purpose. That's what the church means, that we gather together, we sure do, and we worship God, and we experience his presence, and we're changed in his presence, and we sense his calling and stirring in our life, and we're encouraged and we're strengthened so that we can go out and be the church Monday through Saturday. It's not just something we do, it's who we are. It's what we do as God's people. We understand that the church doesn't exist for us, but that we are the church and we exist for the world. That the mission of God is our calling. That we don't give our lives to anything other than what God has called us to do. God's church isn't a part of our life, it is our life. And you go, well, you're really passionate about this. You're, you're right, I am. I've given my life to this thing called the local church. Because I believe in it. I know what it can do. I know the difference it can make. There's lots of career paths I could have gone down, but there's none that have a greater life-changing ability than this to me. You see, because I've seen people who just go to church. They experience God's presence. I believe they're changed. They have a genuine encounter with God. But if they don't plant their lives a few years later, guess what? They're not involved. They're not consistent. They're spiritually malnourished. They're weak. They're blown by the winds of this world. They're not secure. They're not, a, they're not a cedar. They're not planted. And they drift. Right? It's the gentleman I ran into in Kroger. Right? I, we joke and we, we call them creasters. Right? Christmas and Easter. That's when you see them. We'll see a bunch of them next week. Welcome back. How's your life been since Christmas? Glad you're here today. But their marriage is flat. There's no victory over sin. There's no joy. There's no passion. There's no peace. There's no purpose. They're struggling financially. They're spiritually vulnerable. They believe in God. They're on their way to heaven. But they're going to go through hell to get there. Not planted in the house of God. Then I see others. We've been doing this for almost six years here in this church. Who get saved the same way who have an encounter with God, whose life has been changed. And I see them plant themselves in the house of God. I see them get in a group. I see them get on a team. I see them start serving. I see them worshiping. And a few years later, you know what I see? I see strong people who are connected relationally, who are thriving. Is their life perfect? Absolutely not. Is there storms and seasons? Yes, they are. But when the storm comes, guess what? They're planted in the house of God. 
They're encouraged by other believers. They have joy in their life. They have peace in their life. Their relationships are rich. Their life is making a difference. You can see the fulfillment every time they serve. And as Psalm says, what he would describe it as their flourishing. That's what God wants for you. Your life is a seed. In order to grow, it must be planted. And you get to choose where it's planted. Because when you're planted, a couple things happen. The first is this. Your roots will grow down deep. We all need deep roots in our lives. We need deep roots in our relationship with the Lord. Look at Jeremiah the prophet in verse, chapter 17, verses 5 through 6. He kind of describes what it looks like to not be rooted deep. What it looks like not to plant your life in the things of God. He says this, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. And then he says, but this goes on immediately. Contrast those who are planted in God. He says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots. They go down deep to the stream. That plant doesn't fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. And it never fails to bear fruit. Roots grow down deep. In Northern California, I've never had the privilege to go, but there's Redwood National Park. I've seen pictures of these trees, massive trees, largest living things on the earth. These trees are as tall as a 30-story building with a width of three stories out. Massive. And they're unique because their roots will go down deep, but they also go out lateral. And their roots can reach out to 100 to 150 feet from the trunk of the tree. The roots are intertwined between the different trees and they literally hold each other up. Something that large needs the support of the other trees to hold itself up. And each tree needs the other trees to survive and to thrive. To me, this is a picture of what it means to be planted in the house of God. That your roots grow down deep and we all are trees planted in God's house and our roots intertwine with each other. It's what it means to be in a life group. It's what it means to get out of a row and into a circle where you don't just sit shoulder to shoulder, you get face to face with people. And your life is dependent upon theirs because when the storms come and you're too weak, guess what? you got other people who are lifting you up. Your lives are intertwined with other believers in a world that is going in a different direction. And these believers encourage and support and inspire. Everyone needs to be in a group. The only person who wants you to be isolated is the devil. It's the way he's attacked from the very beginning, right? He got Eve alone. God said it was not good for man to be alone, so he created helper. And God got him separated. The enemy got him separated, and he convinced her. And he'll do the same to you. He'll try to isolate. Jesus calls us so that we are a, a flock, that we are sheep that he is our shepherd, and if the enemy can get a sheep away from the flock, it becomes vulnerable. The enemy will try to divide and conquer you. He'll try to convince you that you don't need church. You don't need anyone else. And I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you this. Listen, can you go to heaven and not go to church? Yes. Can you love Jesus and not go to church? Yes. Can you thrive spiritually, making an impact for the kingdom of God and not be planted in the local church according to Scripture? No. 
So we need each other. We need to be in a group. He says, when you're planted, your roots grow down deep. And he says, and those roots will produce fruit. He said, blessed is the one who's come to the Lord. They will be planted year-round in every season, just like the psalmist said, that those trees are evergreens. They will continually bear fruit. That when drought comes, when you're worried, you've been praying, you've been asking God to change someone, to do something, you stay faithful in your prayers, you stay faithful, you stay planted in the things of God, and even when it doesn't happen on your timeline, you're not swayed by the opinions in the, in the, of this world and the ways of our culture that you stay planted in the things of God. And he says, and even in that season, you'll be bearing fruit. When the heat comes and the fire comes and the trials comes, you're not bothered, you're not shaken, you're not rattled. You know I'm planted in the things of God and he says he will produce fruit in my life. John 15, Jesus gave you the promise that if you remain in him, that he will remain in you. That you will bear fruit in your life and it's the kind of fruit that lasts. Paul says in Galatians 5, list out the fruit of the spirit of God when you're planted in him. When your roots are connected in him, he says, you will produce the spirit, the, the, the fruit that the spirit produces in your life. That you will have joy, that you will have peace, that you will have love and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. But he says, if you want that kind of fruit, you have to sow your life into the right soil. To be that kind of fruit. You sow your life. That is the principle of how God works. An enemy will try to convince you that reaping and receiving is the pathway to blessing. That as long as you can get yours, as long as it's about you, that as long as you can receive, that's the path to blessing. And God goes, no, you can't receive the fruit that lasts until you first make a decision to sow your life into the right soil. And some of you don't see the blessings of God. You don't see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Where have you planted your life? What is your trust in? Or the enemy will convince you that sowing your life into the things of this world will bring you the fulfillment that you long for. You see, we live in what I call the me, myself, and I kind of culture, right? This is, what we, this is the world we live in, right? Anytime you pull out a phone to take a selfie, who's, in the, who's the first one in the frame? Right? Boom. Me. I'm in the forefront, everyone else is behind me, right? And I'm not putting that photo online unless I look good, right? Because it's about me. It's me first, you second. That's the world we live in, church. That's the culture we live in. Me first, you second. And God's kingdom couldn't be more opposite. He says we race to the back of the line. We put others' needs before our own's. That is what you sow your life into. That is the path to blessing. Last week, we put out the, the door hangers out here and uh, invited you to take some, invite your neighborhood, love your neighborhood, invite people to be a part of Easter. And last week, I got done preaching. I was in my office, and Maddox came in with a stack of those invite cards with tears streaming down his face. And he wasn't weeping over the lost souls of our community. He was, I said, son, what is the matter with you? Why are you crying? He said, dad, last year, I didn't get any eggs at the egg hunt. I said, I'm really sorry about that. He says, now you're inviting more people to come. I'm for sure not getting any eggs this year. I said, son, listen, your dad has a little bit of pull in this thing. Let me just make you a promise. I promise you, you will get some eggs this year. He's still crying. But then I took a moment. To teach him. And I got down and I looked him in the face and I said, son, but listen, this egg hunt isn't 
This isn't about you. This isn't your egg hunt. This is an egg hunt for our community. It's not about you getting eggs. What we're doing is we're trying to to create a connection with people who are far from God and don't know Jesus. And so those eggs are for them. And so we will go out and invite people to come and be a part of the egg hunt, come to church. So Tuesday night we went out. We walked our neighborhood. It took us an hour and a half. And he did it with me. And Riley did it with me. And we invited people. Because I have to fight hard in a me-first culture to make sure that those values don't get into my kids. And I have to fight hard as the pastor of this church to make sure that those values don't get into this church. What a disgrace it would be to a selfless, sacrificial God if this church became about me. And it came about you. So I told him, we will invite, we will do, and I know it's awkward, took some time. There's a couple conversations for me, and the guy's looking at the card, and he's like, that you? <laughs> yeah, it's me. Right? It's awkward. Yeah, I, I'm actually the pastor of the church. Oh, okay. It's weird, right? Pulling me out of my own comfort zone. But that's what God wants us to do. So today I want to challenge you. What does it look like to be planted in this house at Adventure Church? You get to choose where you plant your life, and I want to just be real with you. We did a series last fall, How We Roll. This is what it means to be planted here. First, you're in a group. We believe that. you got to get in. You want to be in here. You want to be planted in this house. You're in a group. We've already talked about that. This isn't just a church. We are a family. You need to be known. I may not know you, but somebody needs to know you. Somebody needs to know when you're not here. Somebody needs to know when you need something. Somebody needs to know when you need to be loved, encouraged, called. Where are you? So we get in a group to make that happen. you got to be invested with your resources. God's kingdom requires funding. We have a big dream and a big vision, and we know what's next, and we need people who are invested financially into the things of God, into this house. We need people who are inviting others. I'm not going to keep the good news to myself. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and invite others. This is the perfect week to do that. There's still door hangers. There's still invite cards. Share the event on Facebook. Invite people. People are more open to the gospel than any time. That's why we're doing five services. Not because I like to preach so much. Because people need options. People need to get Jesus. We want you to have as many options as possible so people can get saved. So you got to get in a group, invested with your resources, inviting others, and then you get involved on a team. You get involved And what God is doing here, that's what it means to be planted in this house. We invest our our resources and our time and our talents into God's house. We're not just saved from our sins. We're saved for a purpose and saved people serve people through loving God and loving others. It's what we do. But as long as you are all about you, I promise you, according to Scripture, you will never be fulfilled. Because you can't fulfill you. And one of the best things you can do for yourself is to do for someone else. So we challenge you to get in on a team. Ephesians 2.20 says that you were created to do this. It's why God, it was his plan from the very beginning for your life that there's a DNA wired into you to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And it's because God's mission and, and time is too critical for God's people to sit on the sidelines. And we will never be a church that allows people to just spectate. Why? Because God's mission is too important and I believe God has more for you. And so it 
I'll always preach for you to be involved. I'll always preach for you to be inviting. I'll always preach for you to get in a group. I'll always preach for you to be invested in your resources. Why? Because I believe God's word says this is the path to fulfillment. But I'm also not naive enough to think that this is the only place where people can be planted. But we're unapologetic about this. And I'd rather be real and honest and upfront with you so that you know what you're getting into here. And if this isn't the house that God has for you to plant your life in, today I've put a list out in the lobby. It's at the Connect Center. I forget how many churches are on it, eight to ten churches. In our area, Pete Hicks and Polaris Church, Jordan Smucker, Ethos Church, one church in Worthington, uh, Life Point Church, Dean Falks right here, Grace Point Church, Terry Lewis. These are all men and pastors and people I respect churches that are doing great things in our community. And so if you can't plant your life here, I would encourage you to grab that list, go check them out. See if that's the house that God wants you to plant here in. And this isn't some like ploy, this isn't like some bad breakup, you know, where the guy's like, she's like, you know, you're just not in, well, you don't like me, well then go date somebody else. It's not that. Here's the deal. I believe that your life is too important to be wasted And that I want your life to flourish. I want you to thrive. I want you to be fulfilled. I want you to be strong spiritually. I want you to be more like Christ in your life. And I believe in order for that to happen the way that God wants for you, you got to plant your life in the house of God. And so if it's not this house, find the house for you. Find the house for your wife. Find the house for your husband, for your family, so that you can be planted. So that you don't just survive through life, but you thrive. That your life makes a difference for the kingdom of God. It's what he wants for you. It's what I want for you. Today I'm begging you, quit going to church. Quit. Instead, get planted. Plant your life somewhere. You really think you can defeat the enemy of your soul by going to church? By just going to church? You won't. So it's too important. For you to just go to Adventure Church. Get in with us. But if you can't, get in somewhere. Some of you may be going, well, I tried college, it didn't work. I signed up for a group and I went and it was awkward. It's always awkward at first. It's just the way it is. Right? Oh, yeah, and I went back and then my kids were sick and so we couldn't go. And, man, this was hard. And, and so I went to second time and then the third time they, they had to cancel it and move it. And then I just never went back. So I tried, I tried church, Kyle, I, tried, I was real faithful for a few weeks, and I was trying, but I just wasn't seeing, you know, any change in my life, and so, man, I just, I just, just didn't work. Listen, there's a principle that we've been talking about today, sowing and reaping. And any farmer knows there's seed, you plant, then there's time, and then there's harvest. Seed, time, harvest. What I see as a pastor is I see people plant, And then they prematurely uproot their life because they didn't see the harvest in their timing. I didn't see the change as quick as I wanted to. I didn't see the fruit as quick as I wanted to. Seed, time, harvest. Harvest will come, but it takes time. And it's different for every every plant, different for every season, different environments, right? So you can't uproot yourself prematurely. You have to give God the time he needs to do what he needs to do. So that he can produce the fruit that he wants. But that is the promise of the Lord for you. The band's coming. You will reap fruit. You will flourish. 
when you plant yourself in the right soil. Good Jesus, in John chapter 12, this is right before, this is Palm Sunday, Jesus was right before his triumphal entry. Jesus was teaching his disciples, and he says this. He says, now, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, which meant I'm going to go die. And I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. Jesus is prophetically speaking of his death. But it's the death that will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And then he goes on, he says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Where was Jesus going? To the cross. Because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me, follows me. You see, the seed of your life has to be planted, and then you've got to die to yourself. Is what Jesus said. He said, but this is the path to fulfillment. This is the path to blessing. This is how you will flourish in this world. Don't buy the lie of this world. Luke's version of the same topic. He said in chapter 9, verse 23, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. What would you gain if you gain the whole world? Yet you forfeited your very soul. Nothing's more valuable than that. You see, our world, this culture is all about comfort. It's all about convenience. It's about consumerism. It's all about you. Here at Adventure Church, we definitely try to create a relaxed environment so people can experience God. We're relaxed, but we're not lazy. We call people to action because this is what the cross demands. This is what Jesus demanded of his followers. The cross requires humility, requires sacrifice, requires commitment. It requires you dying to the things of this world so that you may truly live. You see, Jesus said great people serve, and then this is exactly what he did. Jesus literally is getting ready to go into Jerusalem. He gets to Jerusalem, and his last meal His last moment with his disciples, he takes the position of a humble servant, the lowest servant in that time, and he washed his disciples' feet. And then he looked at them, and he said, no servant is greater than their master. Now go and do what I've done for you. You will prove to this world that I am the Son of God by the way you love and serve one another. That's what it means to sow your life into the house of God. Quit going to church. It's a waste of time. Get planted in the house of God. If it isn't here, find where you need to plant yourself, but don't waste any more time. Don't be a spectator. God's mission is too critical for you to sit on the sidelines. He is saying, lend your sword to the fight. We got work to do. Don't just survive through this life. Thrive. Flourish. Plant yourself in the house of God.